Hi everyone, I'm Lisa. And I'm Nick. And you're listening to It Takes Two, the podcast where two people take two movies with the same plot or premise and watch and discuss them. And it's Christmas time still. So we watched 1966 TV special How a Grinch Stole Christmas and the fantastic 2000s live action How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Yes, we did. This is a very Grinch heavy episode. Yeah. Um... I want to start off by saying that I I see the relationship between these two films as the same as the relationship between the Peter Jackson and Ralph Bakshi Lord of the Rings films. In that, you know, you've got the earlier animated film, um, which, you know, I don't know was the, Grinch, the Grinch one is definitely very beloved. I don't know if the Lord of the Rings animated film is. By you, maybe. It's beloved by me. Yeah. But um, then you have the live action early 2000s. Um, 2000, yeah. Yeah, this 2000, Lord of the Rings, this 2003. So the live action, early 2000s um, adaptation, uh, and they're both separate adaptations of the same source material, but the live action one takes a lot of influence from the animated film. Like, there's shots in Lord of the Rings that are taken, there's little details in the shots from Lord of the Rings that are taken directly from the Ralph Bakshi animated one, because it was the only previous attempt at turning it into a... or, you know, adapting it for screen. And yeah. I think that's happened with The Grinch as well. For example, what colour is The Grinch in the book? I don't know. He's white. Oh, okay. He's green in the animated special. Right. Um, the book is... The illustrations of the book are mostly black and white, and then there's, like, some bits of red in it, so, like, the Santa suit and stuff is red, but The Grinch is entirely black and white. Right. Um, and he was made green for the the Chuck Jones animated TV special. And then, you know, <laughs> that was so widely accepted that they've just lifted that for the, um, the, the, the 2000 adapt- adaptation. Fair enough. Yeah. So I think it's a very similar relationship in that they're both, you know, they're both adaptations of the same book, but... Um, Clearly, heavily inspired by that first adaptation. Right. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, I love Grinch. Um. <laughs> yeah, I know. the The thing for me is, is that like, I don't remember. Maybe I did, but I don't remember. It doesn't hold a place for me in my heart or my childhood memory of watching the nineteen sixty six one. Mm. So, the Grinch movie, to me, is the 2000s one. Right. So, it's, like, I think... The Jim Carrey version has had some influence over future projects, and I think, as well as it did, and how fantastic it's made, it did have negative consequences. For who, Jim Carrey? No, for us as the audience. Oh, in what way? Because without that movie being successful, we never would have got that awful Mike Myers Cat in the Hat movie. Right, yeah. Which is awful. It's an awful movie. Yeah, and I mean, it's... um, Dr. Seuss didn't want his his books adapted uh, live action. Right. He kind of even almost he started he fought a little bit against the original nineteen sixty six one because a previous work of his has been had been adapted and he hated it. Yeah. Um. But he ended up working with them on the the nineteen sixty six one. Um. Whereas the two thousand one was made after his death. 
Right. But the but his his widow who owned the rights um to his films or to his sorry to his works at that time, um, I think specifically agreed to it on the condition that Jim Carrey got to be the Grinch. She wanted Jim Carrey. I think she wanted Jim Carrey or Robin Williams. Right. Um. She was like, it's like I'll only sign your contract if you're gonna get one of these <laughs> people in. Um. But yeah, it was after his death because he didn't want it adapted. Yeah. Um, interesting talk about Jim Carrey because I'll bring this up in the beginning. Um, his makeup process was nine hours long. Nine hours. Yeah, and he ended up getting a CAA person to come in and teach him how to resist torture. Yeah. Because it was so bad because he was literally being entombed. Yeah, everything I read was that it was about two and a half hours to put it on and then an hour to remove it. But he was like a monster on set. Uh, to the point that, like, the the person who was doing the makeup tried to retire from <laughs> filmmaking altogether. And that's when they got in the CIA agent to teach him, you know, torture-resisting techniques. Yeah. Um, to, to help them both go through it. Because it might have been just the makeup, might have been the, the, the two-hour thing. Right, right, the and then he's got suit. the whole suit as yeah. well, with the yak hair and everything. Yeah. It's, um... It's it's great because I don't think anybody else, and this is where the Mike Myers horrible Cat in the Hat movie mm-hmm. um, comes into play, is picture in your head right now, those who know Mike Myers works, those who don't, don't picture Mike Myers, um, picture a facial expression, any facial expression. Mm-hmm. You can't. Yeah, he yeah. just says... Stupid stuff. Yeah. Which is why he, he works as Shrek. You know, yes, he, he actually does Shrek. a pretty good job as a voice actor. Yeah, except for the fact that he costs the studio millions of dollars by, by changing his, his accent. accent and yeah. then like, oh, I'm not doing it anymore if you don't put my accent. Like, okay, <laughs> um, I mean, that worked out well in the end. But um, yeah, Jim Carrey, it's funny because there's, there's moments in. Um, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, where people assumed that there was, like, prosthetic faces put on him. And that's just how Jim Carrey's face works. He's just got such physicality in that face um, that he could do those, like, ridiculously exaggerated grins. And, I mean, if you look at the, you know, the Boris Karloff, the Chuck Jones 1966 one, um, where the Grinch is doing those grins and stuff, like, animated. And and it is that Chuck Jones, Looney Tunes exaggeration. And Jim Carrey... Can do it in real can life. Can do it in real life. Yeah. So he's obviously, you know, taking those expressions and things from that animated version, but he's like, oh yeah, I can do this. It's also very interesting because the 1966 Christmas, like TV Christmas special, what was it, 25 minutes long? Yeah, it's only 25 minutes long. Versus a full length action, mm-hmm. what, hour and 40 was it? It was over two hours. I can't remember the exact runtime. Hang on, I can probably find that out pretty quickly because I have the. My point that I'm... Oh, it's one hour 44, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was, um, I thought it was over two. Because I remember you paused it one hour and ten minutes. Yeah, I wanted to see where like, he actually gets into the stealing Christmas part, yeah, and yeah. it's an hour and ten minutes into the Jim Carrey one, yeah. but it's ten minutes into the... So basically, <laughs> the they're the same runtime if you get rid of all the lead-up of his <laughs> motivations, character development, uh, character introduction, um, you know, Jim Carrey being Jim Carrey... Yeah. I hated it, by the way, when it came out. The 2000s one? Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, the 1966 one was a big part of my childhood. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm currently wearing 
a t-shirt that's got the Grinch from the 1966 version on it. Yeah. Um, I wear, I pretty much wear Grinch pajamas year round. <laughs> yeah. I highly suspect, I'm not, I'm not gonna, you know, I know she's listening, but I highly suspect my mom has bought me another pair of Grinch pajamas. <laughs> and I suspect it's because I hinted heavily, and by hinted heavily, I mean I sent her the link to the, I said, well, if you're looking for ideas. Um, and then, and then mysteriously a package arrived Yeah. that I can't open till Christmas. Um, but I love the Grinch and I love, I have always loved that 1966 cartoon and we used to watch it every year as kids. I mean, I probably at this point watch it most years. I don't think I've watched it every year, Right. but I watch it most years if I can. Um, and when the Jim Carrey one came out, I hated it. Absolutely hated it. I it, I felt like it was destroying a classic. You know, it was like you know, it doesn't need to be remade. Why are they doing this? Blah blah. I've turned around on it. I actually really enjoy it now. Yeah. And and like I think part of that is is. Um, just growing up. There's a lot. I mean, it's <laughs> it's, it's just growing up. No, I, what I mean is that like there's a, there's a lot of it that because the whole film is suitable for children. You know, it's yeah. It, there's some jokes that'll go over people's heads. There's some jokes I will bring up that goes over people's heads. Yeah, um, but but they made a they did make an effort to make it um, super for children. Jim Carrey improvised a lot of his lines, and he said that he kept it in mind the whole time that he wanted to make age appropriate jokes. Yeah. So all of his improvisation is is suitable for children. Um, I think some of the 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 lines that are intended for for adults. Uh, were put in there. It was pressure from the studio, apparently. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, so it's not, you know, stuff aimed at adults. Jokes wise, that that gets me. It's um, the, <laughs> I think I just relate more to the Grinch. I mean, you said this. You made jokes about it while we were watching it. Yeah. That the the Grinch, like the whole point, or you know, the a whole thing in the original, and you know, in the book, and in the the nineteen sixty six adaptation is that, you know, the, we don't know why the Grinch hates Christmas. He just hates it. Right. And then he's like, oh, actually, it's nice. The end. Yeah. Whereas what we get in this version... Um, the 2000 version. The 2000 version is uh, we get a backstory and we find out that, you know, essentially the Grinch just has really heightened anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> he's just he's got like extreme social anxiety and most of it caused by being a kind of an ugly duckling type in his in his childhood. Like it's literally the ugly duckling story that they yeah, do, yeah. basically. Except that he never goes and finds his real parents and becomes a swan, you know? Um he he just stays the fish out of water in this town where there's all these, you know, happy little who's and he's something else that's blown in from somewhere we don't know what he is, where he came from. Yeah. Um, and he has this deep-seated anxiety. Um, and I just, I feel like as an adult, I'm, I look at it and I'm like, oh, I understand where the Grinch is coming from in this. And I understand the decision to include a whole backstory so that you can see, first of all, where the Grinch is coming from, you know, and that it's not in isolation, but then also how he comes to the point where he changes his mind yeah because in the original like it's just like instant yeah because it's a kid's book yeah it's um the backstory is interesting so it's very much in my mind in the same mindset as aladdin where aladdin is an entire story told by a guy trying to sell a lamp yeah versus the grinch everything takes place 
on like the um, I was trying to think of what the quantum manium thing. Where do they go in, in Ant Man? Yeah, quant- the, 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 quant- the the quantum the, realm. Yeah, the quantum realm because they're all on an um, what are they it called? Snowflake. Yeah, they're, they're, in, a snowflake. they're in a snowflake, which is interesting because within actual Doctor Seuss, you know, Seussical lore, um, they're on they're there's they're on a clover. Yeah. So that's the plot of Horton Hears a Who. Yeah. That he picks up a clover, and because he's got his big elephant ears, he can hear that there's an entire civilization living on the clover. Right. Um, and they're the Who's. Um, yeah. So I don't know, is this just a different um, colony of Who's that are living in a snowflake? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do like the idea of them living in a snowflake. It's, um, it's, there's, the Grinch's origin in the story is super dark. Mm. Because they clearly deceiving children about where who's come from and he turns up on a, in a in, on Christmas Eve mm-hmm. and lands in a tree yeah now for the children don't children listening don't take what I'm about to say like with any further on sense um, they're having a key party when yes. he arrives. That's true. And he is left in a tree all day, mm-hmm. and he's only discovered Christmas morning. Yeah. And is taken home by two sisters or um, bachelorettes and mm-hmm. raised by them. Yeah. Where all the other who's tend to have families in full, like, mother-father parentage. Yeah, very nuclear families. And it's, you know, and because of that, because he's different, obviously he's getting raised differently. But because he looks different, because he's green, and unfortunately, um, it was the the child, uh, the, the 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 child version of the Grinch is played by a guy who had dwarfism and died in two thousand and two. Yeah. So it was the last movie he um, acted in. But the that whole sequence is so twisted. You get the the kid Grinch, um, surrounded by people we know, like. The future mayor, his future love interest, or well, she's in love with him rather than the other way around. She's probably just the first person who gives him any form of affection and mm. other than his parents. Um, and he's mercilessly bullied, you know, is shown affection by the most eligible bachelorette in all of Hoville because it's not until... I don't know why the mayor looks... 10, 20 years older than everybody else, but whatever, you know, time. Um, oh, you mean as adults? As adults. Because the actor is 18 years older than Jim Carrey. Yeah, yeah. Um, but even Christine Bransky, who plays, uh, what's her name, Martha May? Yeah. Um, she's 10 years older than Jim Carrey as yeah. well. So um, even though they're all supposed to have been the same age as children. Maybe the population is so little that they just have, like, multi-age classes? Possible. Yeah, that's possible. Yeah. And also... You know, maybe it's the the Grinch doesn't age the same way as yeah, the Who's, yeah, yeah. etc. So anyway, he he makes a handcrafted Christmas ornament, which is like an a, an angel, mm-hmm. and he's gonna give it to um the the girl, but unfortunately, because of the relentless bullying from the future mayor and his crony, um, I'm assuming it was the assistant mayor, based on how mayors work. Uh, the yes man who follows him around. The, the deputy. Yeah. Whatever. He um, 
talks about the fact that he'll never get with her because she's the most beautiful girl and he's got a beard at eight. Yeah. Um, and then he just, like, absolutely brutalizes himself and shaves areas where he isn't growing hair, which is very weird, and then comes to school with a bag on his head and loses his mind and throws a Christmas tree, which she goes, oh, my God, his muscles. <laughs> and um, then just goes and lives on a mountain by himself. Yeah. Which is the dump site for the entire town. Yeah. Which is where he gets all his crazy inventions and is able to yeah. stack up his Grinch cave. There's also that um, implication that he also is the town's garbage. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that's the, the most suitable place for him is with all the rubbish. Yeah. The, Poor Grinch. The interesting fact about that is when he literally turns around to the town and says, like, I live in the dump. I know what you guys throw away. Yeah. And... I was reading up when we were watching the uh, the animated movie about Dr. Zeus's childhood and his relationship with the, the uh, World War II. Mm. Um, Horton Hears a Who was basically dedicated to a Japanese friend he had because he was worried about the occupation of Japan by mm. the Americans after the end of World War II. Um, I was like, is this like communism? Like, is, he, is the Grinch a communist? Is this what they're getting at? But that's, that doesn't come into play. Um, it I is, find... It is. Um, he did write the Grinch, the original Grinch, um, as a, like a, because he was frustrated with capitalism and the yeah. commercialization of the holidays. The whole um, intro, intro to the 2000s movie is gross capitalism. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because I know he wrote the book because of his frustrations with capitalism. But in... In the 1966 version, it comes across very much that the Grinch assumes that the Who's are capitalistic and, and commercialistic and yeah. that Christmas is all about the, the presents and the, the things and then discovers that it's not and it's about the people. Yeah. But in the 2000 version, the Grinch is right. Yeah, 100%. The, the, the people of Whoville, um, and especially perpetuated by the mayor, yeah. but the people of Whoville as a whole view... Christmas as being about the presents and about, yeah. you know, the gifting and, and making sure that you buy the most expensive thing. And, you know, the mayor is buying, you know, he wants to propose to Martha May, so he's like, but you also get this car, yeah. you know. Which the taxpayers paid for, so he's also embezzling. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, but it's it's very much that they have commercialized Christmas and they yeah. have lost the meaning of it. And, I, and, you know, and they make Cindy Lou Who have a much bigger role in it because obviously in the original she's two years old yeah um you know she's just a cute little girl that like he kind of connects with a little bit and is like oh actually she's very sweet and you know whatever whereas in the 2000 version she is depicted as um she's quite jaded she doesn't like that christmas has become all about the presence of things yeah. and she's and she's struggling with the meaning of christmas and that's why she goes to the grinch because yeah. she wants to prove that if she can make the grinch believe in Christmas and love Christmas, then she can get her own Christmas spirit back. Um, And then you get that moment where the Grinch is pretending to be Santa Claus after the real Santa Claus has been and gone. Um, The Grinch is pretending to be Santa Claus to steal the presents. And um, she catches them and she asks him what Christmas is all about. And he says, why the presents, of course. And she's so upset by it. She's like, oh, that's what I was worried that it was about. Um, and, you know, and the resolution then of the film is that they all realise, the town as a whole kind of realise that, you know, we've lost the meaning of Christmas and Christmas is actually about 
your family and your friends and connections and, and spending that time together. Which, it, yeah, like, in the beginning is not portrayed very well. Like, none of the Who's seem to, like... Again, it goes back to anybody who's worked in retail will understand that, like, the abuse of retail staff, the abuse of a post office... Yeah. The, the thing that got to me was the... Um, the the wife I can't remember her character's name, um, uh, Betty Lou who yeah, just basically being so obsessed with beating their next door neighbor who has the nicest decorated house yeah, to the point where she steals a sop sign, which then causes an accident and they're just like oh let's go like what do you you just injured people at like yeah. Christmas Eve. The fact that their entire economy seems to be based around Christmas because everything is Christmas related. Yeah. The big thing that blew my mind rewatching because I never noticed it before. They have a giant clock in the center of town mm-hmm. that counts down the yeah, seconds to yeah. Christmas. Yeah, yeah. So they all like when it's like one one minute closer to Christmas, they're all like. <gasps> yeah, they will you know. freak out. Yeah. And, like, some dude walks out and goes, 99% off! And is literally, like, basically stampeded. Yeah. Because these people are just so obsessed with buying yeah. stuff. And I appreciate it, because that's obviously... You know, they they were looking into what um, Dr. Seuss's whole idea was in writing it in the first place. Yeah. And, I mean, you get into similar themes with, like, the Lorax, for example. Yeah. Which has also been adapted now. Um, that it is very much about what humans have and society are doing to the world and yeah. how we've changed things and, and lost perspective to some extent. So, yeah, so I appreciate that they, in the 2000 movie, even though, like, when I watched it as a kid, I, I was like, why are they doing this? Um, you know, as an adult, I appreciate that they very much were, were looking at what his thoughts were yeah. and going, well, The Grinch was written to say, you know, the problem... There, there is a problem with society making Christmas about gifts and about money and about, you know, yeah. um, commercial success rather than, um, you know, using it as a time to, to just spend time with your family and, and, and spread love and cheer. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely have missed the mark and without that nomenclature. Um, it's, it's interesting re-watching it because I, I don't remember the last time I saw like the movie from start to finish. Yeah. Um, just how fantastic everything is done. And I think that's why the studio and the public and, you know, the future of any of these big giant live action versions of Dr. Zeus um, books mm-hmm. sort of fell flat with the cat in the hat because it's just dead. It's just that's the one point I make this entire I, year. It's, it's just, funny because I enjoyed the, that cat in that movie awful. as a kid when it's it came awful. out. I thought it was very. Have you fun. rewatched it? As an adult? No, I have not. I don't, don't want to rewatch it as an don't adult. Don't rewatch it. I um, did. I liked it at the time. It's like we're trying to uh, censor ourselves a little bit here to make our audience a little bit more general for you know movies that are children appropriate, but like. The jokes in The Cat in the Hat are like, wait, did he just say, like, what? Yeah. How is yeah. this a kid's movie? And it's very much like, um, I think the other one was Dark Shadows, that weird... Oh, I haven't watched that. Um, the Johnny Depp one. Johnny Depp vampire movie has all sorts of weird implied yeah. scenes that aren't children appropriate. But anyway, 
Um, it's, it's just very... You can understand the Grinch's motivation and, you know, being in his childhood, being the stuff, you know, just the weirdness of everything. Um, it's, it's very interesting. The relationship he has between him and his dog is fantastic and well fleshed out. The, um, yeah, uh, the Cindy Lou's character is obviously more than just a two-year-old who's patted on the head after, you know, confronting Santa while he's stealing everything. There are, yeah, like you said, in the Ralph Bakshi Lord of the Rings stuff, there were scenes that were taken directly out. Like, I think my favourite is that, like, him being a snake on the ground. Yeah, it's great. That's fantastic. He's <laughs> slithering around. The, the fact that he pretends to be the tree the entire time when he's breaking into the house. Um, yeah. And even um, if you look at, like, the 1966 one, there's so many influences because it is a Chuck Jones yeah. TV special. There's so many kind of Looney Tunes moments yeah. to it. Like, um, you know, Max's react the dog's reactions to things is very Looney Tunes sometimes. The moment that really got me was the um where he like opens the tree up like an umbrella so he can close it yeah. into an umbrella yeah. shape. Um, which is such a you know, such a Chuck Jones kind of yeah, joke. Yeah. It's very very comical and cartoony. I mean obviously it's a cartoon, but um it's it's that kind of Looney Tunes style. Um, and then, but even like the way the Grinch walks and creeps around, which then Jim Carrey in the future brings into the, yeah. into his physicality and the role because he's such a physical actor. Yeah. He's such a good comical actor. Um, I think my favorite portrayal he's ever done, I think was from Saturday Night Live mm. where he plays the fire inspector. Right. And it is the, like, he's a fire inspector that's like literally telling kids like teaching them about fire safety yeah but then ends up like burning the skull down and stuff like that and um it's absolutely fantastic obviously it's very old because it's a long time since uh jim carrey was on saturday night live but yeah um he should have done more children's stuff i can't i don't i can't think of many jim carrey children's movies but he, yeah. like, he would have done such a good job doing that. I mean, I watched a few as a kid. I know I watched Liar Liar a few times as a kid. Yeah. But it's probably, it's not really aimed at children, yeah. you know? Um, Liar Liar, the mask is borderline. It's, I think it's PG. Yeah. Um, obviously, recently he's in the in the uh, the Sonic series. Right. Um, he did do um, a series of unfortunate events, but that movie didn't... It wasn't good. Because I had read all those books. And I love yeah. those books. There is a Netflix adaptation of it. Which is... Which uh, is fantastic. Yeah, yeah, um, it's got that. Neil Patrick Harris in that yeah. role. Um, but, you know, it wasn't Jim Carrey's fault that the movie didn't do well. Jim Carrey was doing fantastic Jim Carrey job in yeah. it. Um, it just kind of... The movie kind of fell short. But, um, and you know, I think it tackled the first two books out of 13. And yeah. never got a sequel. <laughs> But yeah, the Netflix adaptation is good. But yeah, I would think I would have appreciated Jim Carrey in more, more roles aimed at children because, like I said, you know, one of the other people that they would have considered for the role was um, Robin Williams, who's another very physical, very good comic yeah. actor. Both of them do great dramatic acting as well. Um, but Robin Williams, you know, was in a lot of children's movies. So there's a lot of people, you know, in our generation who grew up with Robin Williams as. Um, you know, an integral role in a whole load of films yeah, for the, you yeah. know, children's films from the 90s. And I I think we, somehow, we missed an opportunity to have Jim Carrey do the same. I just realised the first Jim Carrey movie in, like, order, 
chronologically mm-hmm. that I've seen is Peggy Sue Got Married. Yeah, yeah. Which is 1986. Um, yeah, Ace Ventura, really yeah. not aimed at children. I mean, I think I watched not, that as a child as well. Yeah, <laughs> not really aimed at children. Dumb and Dumber, Batman Forever, again, Ace Ventura. The Cable Guy, which is a very weird movie. Have you seen The Cable Guy? No, I haven't. Okay. It's, it's, a, it's a weird one. Uh, Liar Liar, The Truman Show, obviously. Um, me, Myself and Irene, which I love. It's a fantastic movie. Mm. Bruce and Mighty, which I have seen. Yes, yes, yeah. I have seen that one. He did do... Um, and of course, Eternal Sunshine and Spotless yeah. Mind. He played Scrooge in the, the Bob Zemeckis version of A Christmas Carl, which is a, yeah, a pretty scary one, actually. It's a pretty yeah. scary adaptation, but also... Um, just creepy, that creepy motion capture that Robert Zemeckis was obsessed with for a while. Yeah. Um, so he ironically plays, you know, in two different Christmas movies, iconic Christmas movies, he plays um, a, a character who hates Christmas. <laughs> I didn't realise he's in The Bad Batch. We really need to watch that movie. What's that? The the um, post-apocalypse desert one with Jason Momoa oh, and stuff like yeah. And Keanu Reeves. Yes, yes, we must watch that at some point. Yeah. Um, that keeps popping up and recommended and I haven't watched it. Um, yeah. But anyway. Anyway, yeah, I, I, I think, yeah, there was there was a missed opportunity by a lot of studios to get Jim Carrey in. I, I completely agree with you. Yeah. To play more kids, act, like, directed roles because you can spend less... And there's not many people who can do what Robin Williams and Jim Carrey used to do, mm. which is ad lib things to the point where like, oh, that's better than the line we wrote down. Yeah, yeah. In the movie. These are people who like just such great like comic instincts. Yeah. Um. I mean, like I said, and they climbing can, as well. Yeah, and they can both do fantastic dramatic acting, but they have such a talent for just ad-libbing and the the fact that you know he ad-libbed most of his lines is the Grinch yeah. um and he he knew the target audience and he made sure he was making age appropriate jokes so the fact that he's not only you know just just coming up with these with these lines and jokes on the spot but he's thinking about children are going to watch this and I want these jokes you know to be jokes that children are going to laugh at and Robin Williams would have been doing the same thing you know with with you know films like Aladdin Mrs yeah. Doubtfire yeah uh, Jumanji you know he would have been ad-libbing a lot of stuff that he knew was aimed at children. Um, and just both have such great, like, physicality as well. Yeah. You know, almost, almost silent era film physicality. Um, yeah, I think we've had a missed opportunity. I would have loved to see more Jim Carrey kids films. Yeah. But kids can watch this one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's fun. And they can watch the Boris Karloff uh, 1966 one. Um, I did think also that the the putting in the whole Grinch backstory in the two thousand one um, changed the narration for me quite a lot because I it's something that's um, regarded as a goof or an error a lot that part of the narration because it's taken from the book says um, you know that we don't know why the Grinch is like how he is yeah um, hang on I think I have the exact line taken down. Um, yeah, so the Grinch hated Christmas the whole Christmas season. Now, please don't ask why. No one quite knows the reason. And then goes on to spend like an hour trying to explain the reason. Yeah. But, so people see that as a goof. But I don't think it's a goof. I think it's done on purpose. I think it's showing you that the, the, you can't the, trust this narrator. Yeah, the, the, also the Who's are so self-absorbed with their capitalistic ideals that they have figured, yeah. like, 
um, she has to go around and basically do a proto podcast where she's literally recording and interviewing his like former classmates, former classmates and parents. Yeah. To find out what the the thing that bugs me now that now that I'm now processing it, mm-hmm. he was run out of school. The yeah. teacher didn't do anything about it. Yeah, the teacher laughed with the kids. The parents didn't go after him. Yeah. They're just like, oh, okay, he lives in the garbage now. But, like, yeah, yeah. better start saving up for so Christmas. It's, it's interesting. So, obviously, in the original, you know, in the book and in the this 1966 adaptation, you know, the, the, the Who's are just, like, very peaceful and don't really think about anything. Yeah. So, they're just, at, you know, do, celebrating Christmas, regardless of whether there's trees or whatever. Whereas, in this 2000 version, they're so concerned with themselves and and how they appear to others it's very much all about how they look to everyone else that they don't think about you know someone else's actual feelings oh my god it's almost like this movie <laughs> is relevant in 2023 oh I my know. god yeah yeah it's um yeah so there's a the whole you know so the idea is that kind of the narrator is from the who side whereas it like i think it's just kind of an overarching narrator yeah. In the original and uh, you know, and the original adaptation, um, and it's what the narrator and the Grinch are both voiced by Boris Karloff in that. Yeah. So it's maybe maybe the Grinch is narrating his own story, um, whereas in this version, the narration is clearly from the Who side of things. Like, oh, we don't know why the Grinch was yeah. how he was. Um, but it's an unreliable narrator situation because we do know the if you pay yeah. attention, you do know if you actually like ask people what happened people know what happened to yeah. the Grinch and why he is the way he is and why he hates Christmas but they're so obsessed with every with themselves and with you know being the best that they don't even think about how they hurt him and how they contributed directly to yeah. the Grinch hating Christmas and the Grinch living in the garbage and being who he is yeah it's also interesting that talking the the differences again um, between 66 and 2000. The main, like, it's Dr. Zeus's art style in the 66 version where he has instruments and devices that are, like, beyond physics and our understanding of um, yeah. engineering. Within the the 2000s, obviously there are, like, miniature hoes, mm-hmm. um, you know, that would be basically the equivalent of driving around, like, toy cars and things, yeah. uh, which is obviously still... From the '66 version, there are tiny ones as well. The disturbing part about everything that I came to realize watching it is all of the gifts in the in the the point of my trying to make is in '66 mm-hmm. they look handmade or they look yeah borderline magical. The things are borderline magical, like. How do you get, I don't even know what they are, like tambourines attached to chains, attached to your ankles, and you shake your ankles and the tambourine. Like, they're floating free form. (laughs) There's also, like, when they go out in the Christmas trees, there's, like, a glowing orb in the middle of them that raises up into the sky. I don't know what that's about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was looking at that going, hang on, there's something a bit strange. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's like they birth a star that goes up into the sky. It's, that, that's all interesting. It all looks handmade. You know, the pop guns could be handmade. All these things could have been handmade. Yeah, they, you know, give to each other drum kits and yeah. things like that. They're like little smaller drums. Versus in the 2000s version, you never see, you only see the town from the Grinch's perspective and the town from 
street level. Yeah. And there is no... It seems to be all housing and commercial... There is no industrial. Yeah. Where do they get their like their power from? Um, this is where my, my mindset <laughs> comes to. It's the quantum realm. Um, because they're just getting power from the multiverse or whatever. Yeah. Like, I don't remember how it works. And I'm not going to Google it right this second. Um, the, where are they getting all these things from? We're, like, the next door neighbor um, mm-hmm. has a Gatling gun that fires... Christmas lights. Christmas lights. Yeah. So literally the entire... Whatever industry exists in this universe mm-hmm. is just sort of on the, the tails of following Christmas. It almost is borderline like a nightmare before Christmas where each, like, different season has its own, like, multiverse. Yeah. It's, it's very bizarre. Obviously, I've gotten a bit hot and heavy for um, for a child-friendly episode, but it, it, you have to understand that everything you go and buy in this modern era has an entire industry and an, an, and a separate industry within that industry to get that thing from where it comes from. You know, the, the thing I pointed out... Um, Recently, when we were out with um, some people we know, I won't mention where, um, talking about the chocolate industry. Mm. Everybody in Western countries enjoys chocolate. Chocolate's cheap. You go and buy it. It's there. Oh, it's a, it's a snack. It goes in. Chocolate's in everything. Chocolate chips, chocolate this, chocolate blah, blah, blah. The documentary I watched where they went and visited the people who grow the cacao beans... And interviewed them and like, do you know what you make? And they had no clue. They're like, oh, it's a drink for white people? We don't know. We just we just grow. We're just the farmers of the thing. Mm-hmm. And the guy gave him chocolate that was made from the cocoa beans from the farm. Yeah. And the guy was like, oh my God, what? This is the thing we make? And he had no clue. And you're talking about chocolate. Yeah. Like, we're not talking about something revolutionary to the survival of humanity we're not yeah. we're talking about a a, a a treat yeah um and it's obviously for pacing and you know for world building they're not going to explain who's making christmas baubles where's the the tree farms where mm-hmm. where's the transport that's bringing yeah. well in, in in the 1966 one they just go into the forest and cut down the tree yeah they have, that's how they used to do it. Yeah. I they, mean, it's how it's still done now, but someone else cuts down your tree for you. Yeah, and you and go buy it from a parking lot. Yeah. Um, that's how it was in my childhood. Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, it's, it's just so bizarre because I don't even think the who's question it. No. They're like... But that's the thing. They're so in, like in that sixty or in that two thousand version. They're just so self self absorbed. Yeah. All they care about is themselves and being the best and being perceived as the best by other people. Yeah, they're so caught up in what other people think of them that they don't think about how their actions impact anyone else. Yeah, and that's how you end up with situations like the Grinch, where he, you know, he cared about he did care about other people as a child. Yeah. He cared about other people, and he got that thrown back in his face, and he was bullied. And he was, you know, treated as different from everyone and treated like he was a monster. And then he beca- he essentially was became like, okay, well, monster. then I'll become yeah. a monster. Yeah, became the boogeyman. Yeah, because that's how people saw him. Um, and then it's, you know, Cindy Lou who, who kind of goes, well, 
maybe there's good in the Grinch and then maybe there's maybe Christmas can be about just us and about being good and about being nice. Yeah. Um, so it's a nice message that comes out of it, but it's definitely, I've probably lost on a lot of people because, you know, Christmas is still commercialized. Chris, we, we do live in a capitalist society. Yeah. Um, and for a lot of people, Christmas is about gifts, getting yeah. gifts and giving gifts. It's always um, been about family to me. Yeah. But then, you know, that's my upbringing. Yeah. Um, well, I'm excited for this year because yeah. this is going to be the first time. I mean, it's a, I'm not, I don't want to exclude you here because you are part of my family now. Oh, okay. But um, aside from you, this is the first year since 2016 that I'll have, you know, members of my immediate family yeah. with me for Christmas. Because um, that's something I haven't had for a while. Yeah. And that's going to be exciting. Yeah. The um, there was some other point I was going to make, but now I'm sidetracked because thinking about Christmas for you. Um, I don't know. You have to come back to me. Okay. Um, do you want to go into some some trivia sure. bits and pieces? Um, I didn't take down much about the '66 version. Um, I think pretty much. Everything I've took then is about the songs, I think. Uh, well, one thing that was, I already mentioned Boris Karloff did the Grinch and the narration. When he recorded it, he didn't make a differentiation between the two. He just used the same voice. Yeah. Um, but they then edited it in post-production and removed just the high tones in his voice when he was speaking as the Grinch, so that the Grinch sounds more gravelly. Right. Um, so that's digitally altered, but it's they've just taken out the higher frequencies of his voice to make him sound... You know, more gravelly. Um, the song uh, Fahu Fores, the, the like Welcome of Christmas song, the singing at the, be- at the beginning and the end, yeah. um, written for the, for the 1966 version, uh, obviously used again then in the 2000 version, um, which the same thing happened with uh, You're a Mean One, was written for the, yeah. the, the special and then used again. Um, but it's the sound, it's just sounds. It's just like Dr. Seuss sounds, but it's made to sound a little bit like Latin. But they got, um, after it aired on TV, they got lots of letters in asking for a translation of the Latin <laughs> used because people believed that they had written a song in Latin. Right. And they had to explain, no, no, it's just it's just gibberish. <laughs> um, and then Thurl Ravenscroft. I wanted to talk about, I haven't, I've written down one fact about Thurl Ravenscroft here. But I would like to talk more about him because I love him. But the what I took down was that he's there's no credit for him in the the movie. You'll have noticed the only person they credit with any acting is Boris Karloff. Yeah. They don't even credit the girl who voiced Cindy Lou Who or um the there was a man who um, a, a voice actor who um made Max's noises. They're not credited. Um, but Thurl Ravencroft sings "You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch." And he was not credited, so a lot of people believed it was Boris Karloff that did it. Right. So Dr. Seuss sent letters to every major columnist in America explaining to them that Thrill Ravenscroft was the singer on the song because he, he wanted to make sure the people knew it was him that did the singing. I love Thrill Ravenscroft. His voice is what I wish my voice sounded like. <laughs> Legitimately, like, if I, if I could, like, just change my voice to anything, it would be Thrill Ravenscroft's voice. I just think it's, like, the most fantastic voice I've ever heard. Um... He, people will know him as the voice of Tony the Tiger for, he, I think he voiced, voiced Tony the Tiger for 50 years, um, for like Frosties or, uh, Frosted Flakes as they're known in the United States. Yeah. Um, are they Frosties here? I, I, Frost- I don't, don't think we, I think we you have. You don't have them? I've, I've never had 
Tony mm. Tiger's Frosted Flakes or whatever. Yeah, well, they're Kellogg's. They're Kellogg's brand. Yeah. And they're called Frosted Flakes in America. They were called Frosties in Ireland uh, and, I guess, the UK and possibly more of Europe. Um, but, yeah, the the mascot is Tony the Tiger. Yeah. We had... They're great. Yeah, we the, <laughs> the three cereals I remember... The four cereals I remember from a child... No, sorry. The five cereals I remember from childhood was homemade porridge, uh, wheat bix, uh, Skippy cornflakes, and rice bubbles and cocoa bubbles, and like my mind was blown when um, Nutrigrain was released, mm. and I tr- and I was like, oh, you know, it's all like buff people doing like exercise, and I'm like, oh, this is like a high. You know, like the mindset of a child trying to intake information, and you eat them, and they're just—it's the same stuff, just and with sugar in it. And I think that's probably why that, like, until recently, New Zealand for cereal has been pretty limited. Mm. There are fifty thousand choices, but they're all like the same thing from different brands. Right. Um. So the other thing that Terrell Ravenscroft did was that he was in a barbershop quartet called the Mellow Men. Um, he founded the Barbershop Quartet, and then there were, you know, a few, a few, obviously, Quartet, three other guys in it. Um, but they did these songs and, and some voiceover work for a whole load of Disney rides right. when they first came out. So, um, the, the main one for, that I always think of is The Haunted Mansion. They did, um, the song Grim Grinning Ghosts which plays through the Haunted Mansion, and it's also on, like, the, you know, Disney VHS tapes that were put out about the parks and things. Um, they also did the Country Bear Jamboree, the Mark Twain Riverboat, Pirates of Caribbean, Disney Railroad, uh, Walt Disney's Enta- Enchanted Tiki Room. There's, like, a whole load of Disney attractions and rides that featured this barbershop quartet, including Thrill Ravenscroft. And he's got such a distinct voice that, like... If you hear any of those songs, you're like, oh, there's Thurl. <laughs> yeah. Plus, he's just got the greatest name. Thurl Ravenscroft. Yeah. That's a great name. I would. I just want to be Thurl Ravenscroft. <laughs> I think that's what I want. I think that's my aspiration in life, is to just, like, I should just change my name to Thurl Ravenscroft. Okay. Um, they could have got him, by the way. They could have got him for the Grinch movie, because he didn't die until 2005. Right. So he was around. But they they didn't. But actually, um, it's funny because they did, like I said, they used it in the Jasmine movie. But it's uh, Jim Carrey did the singing himself, right? Um, with no alterations. So like his voice goes all over the place in it. But that's just Jim Carrey yeah, yeah. doing Jim Carrey. Um, and he he does a really good job on it. Um, in terms of trivia that I have for the two thousand movie, um, the this the scene where. Um, the Grinch is directing Max before they steal before he goes to steal Christmas. Um, Jim Carrey spends that whole scene making fun of Ron Howard, who directed the movie, and mimicking his directing styles. Right. And it was like done as a joke, but Ron Howard loved it so much that he was like, "Yeah, we'll use that. We'll put that in the movie." Um, we've already talked about the makeup stuff. The makeup stuff is nuts, but uh, yeah. but we've we've talked on it, so we don't need to go into it. Uh, one of my favourite pieces of trivia about this, and I'm sure this is one that people have heard a lot, is, um, you know the scene where he pulls the tablecloth out from under all the stuff? Yeah. Um, that was scripted as him just, like, pulling it and knocking everything off it, because he right. doesn't care. But Jim Carrey accidentally 
pulled it so well that it came out and everything stayed where it is. So that's why he walks back and just smashes it all off the table. Because um, that was, you know, ad-libbed. And then they thought that take was fantastic. Yeah. So they kept it in. Because um, it makes it, all, you know, almost extra funny that he's yeah, yeah. like, has to go back and do it. Um, these, the, I wanted to talk about this and, and credit the person whose name I was able to find. Uh, Seuss Cousins, not related to, to Dr. Seuss, just pronounced that way, Seuss Cousins, um, was a Los Angeles-based sweater designer, and uh, she and two other knitters produced 250 pieces of original knitwear for the movie. Wow. So, like, all of the sweaters, you know, the jumpers that you see people wearing, the knitted jumpers, are all hand-knitted. Um, they did it in 120 days, so that worked out at 83.3 sweaters per person uh, in a span of 120 days. <laughs> Which is nuts. Um, that's so much knitting. So I just wanted to, yeah, Seuss, Seuss Cousins. I just wanted to throw her name out there because that's a feat. That's incredible. Um, this is the highest grossing Christmas movie since Home Alone. Right. So fitting that we're talking about it, what, three episodes after we talked about Home Alone? Yeah. Um, the, um, like obviously the narration in this version is Sir Anthony Hopkins. Yep. Um, so there's, you know, there was a note that that kind of mirrors the casting of Boris Karloff in the original because they both were um, actors who had their careers kind of revived by being in a, a horror franchise. Right. Because um, obviously, you know, Boris Karloff played Frankenstein's monster and yeah. um, uh, Anthony Hopkins was Hannibal Lecter yeah. in, a, in a, you know, The Silence of the Lambs and then in later films. Um. And then, uh, so I had, I did take down the budget and box office of How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the 2000 version, because obviously the first one was a made-for-TV special, so it just doesn't exist. So it was a budget of $123 million, which is insane to me. That's a huge budget for a film like that. Uh, And at box office, $345.8 million, so that's in cinema, right? But it also, within its first week of release um, on DVD, uh, it sold 8.5 million home video units. Uh, so Sorry, so it was 3 million DVD copies, 4 million VHS copies. Right. Um, and it was the best-selling holiday home video title of all time. Uh, and it... Um, it ranked as the second highest opening week in home video sales for any live action film, the first being Titanic. Wow. Um, and uh, it said it went on to join Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, Shrek, and The Mummy Returns as one of the only four films to sell more than 2 million DVD copies during their opening weeks. Wow. So obviously Titanic was VHS era. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's, it did, not only did it do great in actual box office but then home video was ridiculous <laughs> um huge home video release i just had a flashback to a memory of childhood yeah we're being like uh, we're going to watch a movie oh what movie are we watching we're watching titanic and me being like the movie's boring there's like three hours before the boat sinks. <laughs> yeah because i didn't i mean i haven't watched titanic as an adult i don't think I think I've only seen Titanic as the through the lens of me being a child, being like, this is a long, boring film. I don't think we I've rewatched it. We have to watch it. it for the podcast, don't we? Do we? Oh, we will, yeah, at one point. Yeah. 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 We will be watching it for the podcast. Um, 
there's quite a few Titanic related movies out and, there. Yeah, the Poseidon Adventure and and the the you know, there's lot there's lots of ship sinking movies. Yeah, no, I think we're watching it with another that's about the Titanic, but not it's with... not it's not the, the ones that I'm gonna say are they the animated ones yeah, it's not the no we'll watch those together because those because oh, there were two for those who don't know uh, there were two animated Titanic movies that came out in 2001 they both came out in 2001 they're both made by Italian animation studios different Italian animation studios they both feature talking mice they both come off as sequels. Like the yeah, titles so one of the so one of them's called Titanic, or one of them's called The Legends of the Titanic, and the other one's called Titanic: The Legend Goes On, but they're not related to each other in any way. And I've I've seen I've only seen one of them before, but in it, a giant octopus holds the Titanic together for long enough for everyone to escape and survive. So it's revisionist history as well. Um, really <laughs> strange set of movies, but at some point we'll be watching those. I think it'll be far down the line because we might get to you know more well known and uh, good movies first um, <laughs> before we get to like the absolute terrible animated films. But if you want good animated films, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, nineteen sixty six, twenty five minutes long. Yeah. Um, if you're if you're a child watching this and you haven't seen it before. Ask your parents if they're able to to get a version of it. I think it's on YouTube and things like that. So, like I said, it's only twenty five minutes long. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, you you should watch it if you haven't watched it before. It's very fun. You can get the book because it is a a book, and the book is for children. Um. And Dr. Seuss, who wrote it, wrote a lot of other children's books. So your your parents might buy you some of those, or or family or friends. Or they might not, because um, Dr. Seuss did some questionable things in his life that Very some people don't support. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I won't but, say the poem that is that's famous. Um, um, but I I loved Dr. Seuss books growing up. Um, it's it's funny I was thinking about this because we talked obviously very recently in our last child friendly episode about um, Jurassic Park and about the fact that it, at Universal Studios Islands of Adventure, where I spent some family holidays. There is a Jurassic Park island, but one of the other islands is Seuss Landing, and it's all uh, rides related to Dr. Seuss properties. Interesting. Um, including like a red fish, a one fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish um, ride, and uh, you know a few other things. And um, that was one. Of, that was a book I had as a kid that I really enjoyed. One fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish. Right. I think Dr. Seuss was really good at writing for kids. Yeah. At writing, writing, and Fox and Socks was another one that I really liked as a kid. Green Eggs and Ham. Um, yeah, he's good. He had some good books that were, you know, at different reading levels. So you could, you could read along with them. But also he made up a lot of words. There's a lot of silly words in those books. They're not real words. Yeah, the, the one that always sticks with me is the escalation of warfare and weaponry. I can't remember the, the, book title i don't think it's called the escalation no, of warfare it's, it's it's very very interesting and it just starts off with like one who like walking a perimeter fence with like a switch is it the butter battle book that's the battle but yeah the yeah. butter the butter battle book yeah <laughs> and it just escalates to the point where they have the bomb right it's it's Obviously, his criticism of like from World War Two to World yeah. War oh, yeah, and he one did. He wrote political cartoons yeah. as well. Oh yeah, he was a huge, huge political cartoon yeah. writer. 
Um, Yertle the Turtle is another one that I, I liked a lot when I was a kid. I did. I had to double check that it was Dr. Seuss because I also liked ECO Trot, which is Roald Dahl. Yeah. Um, two turtle-related books. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Yertle the Turtle. Yeah, it's a lot of a lot of rhyming words. Um, I had. I also had. Um, which I think is a good book for for small children. I had a Dr. Seuss ABC book. Right. I think one of our listeners mentioned having that for one of their children I think um but yeah the the Dr. Seuss ABCs is is fun and there's some letters in there that are you know where where some of the words are made up as well (laughs) but um they're fun and nice nice illustrations and things the point I was going to make earlier yeah is this is a second movie we've watched this week that's had a mailman as a side character Oh, yeah, yeah. Which lets me get on to some uh, calls to action. If you have aren't following us on YouTube, or if you're listening to us on YouTube right now, thank you very much. But if you aren't following us on YouTube, we do have a YouTube page. It is in the footnotes. or well, Show notes. Show notes, thank you. Uh, you can find us everywhere online, including our website, it takes 2nz Yeah. You can join our Discord and tell us yeah. what you think of the episode, or what do you think we should do in future episodes? Yep. Suggestions, memes. Memes. We love a good meme. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for joining us this Christmas, and we hope you spend some time with family and your uh, Christmas decorations, presents, and tree aren't stolen by an anti-capitalist who lives in a mountain. <laughs> but do appreciate christmas as a as a time to spend time with your family yeah, not that's what it's about not just about Gross presents presents and money and presents and money and looking the best um yeah and if you're if you don't celebrate christmas we hope you're also having a good time yeah unfortunately there are not a lot of movies about other religious based we, holidays we around. will we will at some point do um do some hanukkah movies because there are are you, are you suggesting Eight Crazy Nights with Anne of Sandler? No, I was going to say that there are uh, Hallmark Hanukkah movies that we can oh, watch. Oh, no. <laughs> so, you said the, the great thing with the really awful thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, just to clarify, I mean Hallmark is a terrible thing. Don't you misconstrue that <laughs> as anti-Semitism. Yeah. No. Yeah, but we will, I mean, if, the, if there are... If there are you know, um, other different holidays that have m- movies that are similar that we can compare. We'll do them. We should watch. What have we got time today? We should have time today. We should watch that. Um, the, the night before your favorite. Yeah, the night before. I like that movie. Yeah, I don't know what we'd compare it to for a podcast episode. We don't. Have, we we can watch movies outside. I know. Of the but I, I was talking about for the oh, podcast. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm saying if we find some that are similar enough yeah. to compare it, we will. But there will, at the, at the least, at some point, we'll be doing some Hallmark Hanukkah movies. Good. So, Bad I, for me. I think I also have some but... Christmas horror movies that, for one year, but, you know, we'll get to that. Yeah. Those are Those a few are years November. away. Those could be November episodes. It's between October <laughs> and December. No, I think it would be years where we have three December episodes. Ah, fair. We'll do, we'll do something different for one of them. Thank right. you for joining us. We'll catch you next time. Happy holidays. Goodbye.